Hello, everyone. This is Mrs. G's Storytime, and we are reading Patricia Sanjian's book, The Tanglewood Secret, and by permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we left off yesterday with Ruth and the shepherd looking for the little rascal, the little lamb, and they couldn't find him. But then, and I'll start in that one chapter, we had heard nothing. But his shepherd's ear had caught the sound at once. It was the faint cry of a tired lamb calling for help. It'll be him, he said simply, and in the those bushes, and he made straight for the sound. It was a wonder to me when we saw him how the little creature had ever got in. The hedge was so tangled and the briar so thick. Why, it was a still greater wonder to me that the shepherd ever got him out. But we started off parting the branches, and as he worked, he spoke to the lamb as a mother might speak to her frightened little child. I don't suppose the lamb understood the words, but he knew the voice at once. He knew in a flash that he had been searched for and found and loved, and at the sound of it, he stopped struggling and crying. He gave one joyful bleat and then lay still and waited. It took a long time to reach him, and I stood and watched as the old man patiently worked at the tangle, thorn by thorn, briar by briar. When he finally picked up the little rascal, his hands were dreadfully scratched and bleeding, but he didn't seem to notice. He just held that trembling lamb close and let it nuzzle its black nose trustfully into his pocket. Are you ready to go home? He whispered, playfully lifting the little smudged face to his own. Bah, said the sheep, and put his nose back into the shepherd's pocket. We walked home quietly together with a lamb laying in the crook of his arm. Mr. Tandy seemed to be thinking deeply, and his face looked very happy. When we reached the field, the sun was setting, and the sky was behind the bluebell slopes was a color of pink shells. We laid the lamb among the others, and he gave a, a bleat of contentment and fell fast asleep. Well, I said slowly, I suppose I'd better be getting home now. Thank you for letting me help, and I hope I, I'll see you again soon. He sat me down beside him on the wooden bench that ran along the outside of the sheepfold. Before you go, I'll read you a bit of a story about another sheep that strayed, he said. As he spoke, he took a small, worn Bible out of his pocket and opened it to Luke, chapter 15 in the New Testament. Then he began to read in a slow, kind, country voice. I suppose I'd heard the story before, but it never interested me. Tonight was different, and I listened with all my heart. When he finds it, he is so happy that he puts it on his shoulder and carries it home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says to them, I am so happy I found my lost sheep. Let us celebrate. In the same way, I tell you, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. He closed his Bible, and I looked up at him. Good night, Ruth, he said. Good night, I answered, and thank you very much. I walked slowly home through the buttercups. Chapter 6, A Brilliant Idea I never told Philip about the shepherd, at least not about the last bit, because I was afraid he would laugh and think it was strange, and I should not have liked that. In any case, I almost forgot about it next day because I had one of my brain waves, and when I had a brain wave, I could never think of anything else until I carried it out. 
It came about next day when Philip was hobbling around the garden, not yet able to walk to the woods. We had played all our usual games, and we were lying under the apple tree, wondering what to do next. As there wasn't anything much to do, we just lay and chatted, and Philip started talking about his book again. It's getting so fat, Ruth, he said, and is full of useful information about birds. And all I'm waiting for now is the camera to take the pictures, and I shall get it for years. Just think, he went on dreamily. What a beautiful picture that baby owl would have made when he sat in our hands. Never mind, I said comfortably. We've got one shilling and nine pence more than when we last counted, so we're getting close. But it's so slow, sighed Philip, and I shall soon be nearly grown up, and I expect I shall be sent to boarding school, and there won't be much chance to take pictures. I wish Auntie would let me be a delivery boy and earn some money in my spare time. I interrupted his thoughts by pouncing on him suddenly and, and slapping him violently on the back. Philip, I shouted, I've got the most marvelous idea. What is it? He asked doubtfully. He was a bit suspicious of my good ideas, for they turned out badly and ended with punishments. It's really a good idea this time, Philip, I urged, and Aunt Margaret would never find out. We'll pick flowers like Terry's mother does and sell them. We'll earn pounds and pounds. Do say, Philip, do say yes, it would be the most fun. And Philip still wasn't at all sure about it, but Terry's mother wouldn't like it, he said. If people bought off flowers, they wouldn't buy hers as well, and then she wouldn't get so much money. Oh, we won't go to the same places, I assured him. She, she sells hers in the streets of town. We'll go to the people's back doors and we'll dress up like a little, like a little poor children. Philip's eyes sparkled. He was beginning to agree with me, as I knew he would sooner or later. Let's go to the big house halfway up the hill where they have big iron gates and drives, and he said. We'll dress up in our oldest clothes. We'll make our faces a bit dirty and wear our muddiest shoes. You tie your plaits up in a red hanky and we'll get pounds and pounds. Let's start soon. I always like to carry out my plans at once and leap to my feet immediately. And then I remembered Philip's ankle and tried to slow myself down. You'll be able to walk tomorrow, won't you, I pleaded. Although, even if you couldn't, a little limp might be quite helpful. It would make people feel sorry for you. We could say, poor, pity the poor lame beggar and hold out a hat. And you could put a big white hanky around your ankle and look as though it hurt you. Only you wouldn't have to do it too much because it would make me laugh. Philip's ankle was much better the next day, and we escaped early and made for the woods with a wicker basket, shopping basket. We were going to pick all morning and sell all afternoon. We had no idea of prices, which rather worried us, but we decided to guess and hope for the best. Where are you going? Where are you going? I asked Philip as we reached the sty. Down to the swamp in the hollow, I replied. I'm going to pick lots of cowslips, and then there'll be some late king cups out. We can get some wild cherry blossoms, too, I added. I'm going to pick little bunches of wood sorry and violets from, for tiny pots. We'll sell them very cheaply to the people who don't want big bunches. Oh, Phil, what fun it will be. And I was dancing down the sloping path that led to the swamp and nearly collided with a swinging bow of cherry blossoms swaying low across the path. I stopped to pick some, and Philip caught up to me. He did not help me, but stood quietly staring up at the pure clusters. Isn't it beautiful, he remarked slowly. It's like great snowdrifts up there. 
Isn't it a pity that it doesn't last? It will have all fallen in a few days, and the blossoms will be all brown and ugly. Nothing beautiful really lasts, does it? Oh, there'll be some bird cherries later on, I expect, I answered quickly. Stop staring, Philip. It's silly to think about things like that. Get on and pick some flowers. I, I'm doing all the work. And Philip stooped down and started gathering large late violets, but his blue eyes were serious, and I marched on rather cross, crossly. But I didn't like Philip in these, in these moods. Although I tried to forget them, his last words kept ringing in my ears. Nothing beautiful really lasts, does it? It was quite true. All the nasty things like tempers and rows with, with Aunt Margaret went on and on, and you couldn't get rid of them. They might stop for a time, but you knew they wouldn't come, come back. But beautiful things like holidays and blossoms and sunsets and birds singing faded and dry died and left you feeling empty. Certainly other beautiful things came and took their places, but it didn't comfort you for the ones that had gone. We picked hard all morning and filled the shopping baskets with our bunches of golden cowslips, vivid purple orchids, and lacy white woodruff. The white blossom we left by itself as we felt it looked perfectly on its own. We held, we hid all our flowers in the orchard and went into the dinner, inwardly bubbling over with excitement, but outwardly quite calm. Aunt Margaret looked hard at Philip, who was gobbling his dinner very fast. She wondered why we wanted to be off so quickly. Philip, she said rather sharply, I think you should rest that foot this afternoon. You've done enough walking on it this morning. Why, Auntie, he assured her in the most polite voice, I've been standing nearly all morning. I just went to the swamp and stayed there and picked a few flowers. I think, he added seriously, that a lot of exercise makes it feel better. It, it stops it from getting stiff. In fact, I plan to walk on it as much as possible this afternoon. Philip, as usual, had his way, as he always did with Aunt Margaret. Very well, she agreed, but don't overdo it and keep out of that swamp. Your sister's shoes are a perfect disgrace. Philip looked at my shoes and sighed. He, of course, had remembered to change his before Aunt Margaret noticed them. I, of course, had not. How much easier life would be, I thought, if I had been born like Philip. Aunt Margaret went into the kitchen to wash up after dinner. She did not ask me to help, and I certainly did not offer. I was always full of excuses and arguments when asked to help, and my aunt was rather tired today, so she left me alone. Once the door was firmly closed, I fled upstairs, untwisted my plates, plates plaits, and my hair fell dark and loose to my waist. And then I tied up my head in my Indian handkerchief that Mom had sent me and put on a dirty apron. My muddy shoes needed no touching up, and I looked a, a perfect little vagabond. Philip wore his, bird, his bird's nesting coat and the uh, Wellington boots and looked just the right companion for me. Don't let Aunt Margaret see us, he whispered as we slipped out the door. She would have 50 fits. We'd better go through the gap. So we climbed the hill that led to the big houses rather slowly, for the day was hot and the basket was heavy. Also, Philip's ankle hurt quite a bit, although he would not admit it. What really worried us was the fact that the flowers were drooping so much. Of course, we should have put them in water straight away. Although we hadn't been able to sell the flowers, when we actually reached 
the first pair of iron double gates, we seemed in no hurry to go in. Where, what are you going to say? asked Philip rather nervously. Me, I replied. I'm not going to say anything. You've got to say it. You're much better at all that sort of thing than me. Oh, well, replied Philip peaceably. Perhaps we shan't have to say anything. Perhaps a person who lives here will open the door and say, What beautiful bunches of flowers. I'll buy two. And then we shall just smile and hand them over and she'll give us some money and we'll go away. This thought cheered us up a lot and we walked rather quickly until the path divided. The left-hand path ran around the front between beautiful lawns, flower beds and cedar trees, and the right-hand lane ran around to the back. Do we go back or front, I asked. Back, I think, said Philip. After all, we mustn't forget we're flower sellers. Our timid knock at the back door sounded dreadfully loud, so loud we both jumped. The door was flung open by a very grand housemaid with dried curly hair who smelled of perfume. Well, she asked sharply, and I turned away from Philip with shaking shoulders as I couldn't stop laughing. But now before I had seen that, he was feeling as bad as I was. He pulled out his handkerchief and pretended to sneeze into it. Well, she asked again. This time she sounded really angry, so Philip controlled himself and answered in a very shaky voice. Would you like to buy some flowers, he squeaked. Good gracious, no, she replied, replied the girl. What in the world would we be buying flowers for? Anyway, those that you've got in that basket are dead. Oh, they'll be all right in water, I began, but she had already slammed the door in our faces and we were left giggling weakly on the steps. The next house certainly looked less grand and the the garden was smaller and we could see the front door from the road. We stopped a minute to read a notice on the gate. It said, no hawkers, no circulars, in large capital letters. What does that mean, I asked. I don't know, answered Philip. It sounds like a man who sells hawks. Anyway, that couldn't mean us, so come on in. We walked up the path holding the basket between us. Whatever happens, we mustn't laugh this time, said Philip. We rang the bell much louder than we should have. An old lady with an eyeglass and a very straight back opened the door and looked, stood looking down at us as though she didn't like us much. We were so determined to get, get it right this time that we both started talking at once, fast and loud. All the time we were talking, the old lady stood staring at us in astonishment. She took no notice of the withered bunch of cowslips that I was holding hard to press into her hand and asked in a cold voice, Little boy and girl, do you not see this notice on the gate? Yes, admitted Philip, rather puzzled, but I'm not a hawker, and I'm sure I'm not a circular, I added rather cheekily. Little boy and girl, she went on, went on the old lady in a very posh voice, If you're too young to understand the English language, then you're certainly too young to be doing this sort of thing. Go home to your mother. And for the second time that day, we found ourselves standing on the steps with the door shut in our face. Philip was fed up and disappointed and suggested going home, but I wasn't ready to give up yet. It was at this point that a man came around the corner and nearly bumped into us. Philip was watching a skylark. Are you interested in birds? asked the man suddenly. I'm extremely interested in them, replied Philip. Are you? 
very, replied the man. I have all sorts of birds nesting in this garden. I'll show you some if you like. Bill walked away with a man already chatting seriously about birds, and I followed with the flowers. We had a very happy half hour, for he showed us four or five rare nests, and Philip was in seventh heaven. <laughs> then, when we had all been around the garden, we, he took us on the veranda, and we, he gave us a glass of lemonade, and as we drank it, he suddenly remarked, By the way, why did you come? Philip had quite completely forgotten the real reason for our visit and looked quite startled for the moment. Then I answered for him, holding out the basket. We've come to sell flowers, I explained. Would you like to buy some? He chose three bunches of dying cowlips. Cowslips. Is this how you earn your living, he asked. Oh, no, I replied. Not really. We wanted to earn some money for something very particular. So we thought we'd sell some flowers, but nobody seems to want them. Nonsense, said the man. Cowslips are my favorite flowers. I'd pay a lot for a scent like that and he pressed two shillings into my hands. Philip went rather pink, and then laying his hands on the man's sh sleeve, he said earnestly, We should like to give them to you. You have given us such a lovely afternoon, and we are very grateful to you. The last words came out with such a rush as though he was reading a speech. The man's eyes twinkled, but he spoke seriously. Not at all, he replied. It's been a pleasure to meet you, and I'd like your little sister to keep the money. You have an excellent knowledge of birds for someone so young, and I should like you to come again. I put the two shillings in my pocket in a great hurry, and I was afraid the man would do as Philip had said, but he didn't. He walked to the gate with us, and then we all shook we all shook hands and said thank you. Then he turned back up the drive and we stood once again and stood once again in the road. Let's go home, said Philip. All right, I agreed. Two shillings isn't too bad for the first day, and we will try again tomorrow. But Philip didn't answer. He was walking down the road in a happy dream. He had been in paradise. And tomorrow we're going to read Chapter 7, The Unfortunate Tea Party. Bye-bye. See y'all later.